Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. You know, I normally start with the news and I'm tempted to still start with the news, but there's a lot I need to cover. And I'm, I'm debating in my mind. I'm going back and forth. Do I cover the news first or do I cover one I have to talk to first? Which comes first, chicken or the egg? Because they are somewhat related and, you know, let me do the news because I want to, I want to, maybe it'll help me calm down a little bit. Maybe I doubt it, but let's start with the news because I want to be consistent. I'm always a fan of consistency at the top of this. Apparently I didn't see this local cause it's not local, but apparently there was a guy and he killed his dad over $400,000 worth of crypto that the son apparently had helped get set up with his dad, introduced him to it got them all set up with wallets and all that stuff. And the son then tried to kill when the crypto spiked in value, tried to then kill his dad. Listen, I, I always say, you know, if there's people that could have benefit in the information I share, and some of you may be newish to crypto and you're trying to kind of get your feet wet a little bit, I, I'm going to implore you. If you're going to help somebody get into crypto, don't be salty if their bag goes high and yours does not. Like we need to be as a community. I, I talked about toxicity in the community and that that's going to be the mantra for today's episode, toxicity. This is a toxicity outcome. When we have toxicity in the community, it breeds this kind of threat of saying, I'm going to help you get set up on this thing. Your bag goes, quote, to the moon. Let's fuck go. And because you're succeeding, I'm going to try to kill you instead of, hey, dude, you helped me out a little bit. Let me toss your bag back. Maybe you have an agreement up front. I'm going to loan you $1,000. If it moons, I'll send you back 50% or something else to make an agreement, like make it fair. But regardless if there's not an agreement there, what we should not do, we should not be going to the extreme of killing somebody over cryptocurrency. Now, here's the thing. If you got nothing to lose, and no, I'm not advocating. I'm saying if you got nothing to lose and you're feeling like, you know what, I got to do a thing. Here's an idea for you. How about instead of going to the extreme of murder, how about you get smarter about your investments, right? And consider whether certain investments are better than other ones. Consider whether your investment strategy was jacked up, almost cussed, Consider whether you can take a different approach and reevaluate yourself. Because if you were, if that was what came to your mind immediately after seeing that impact, I would, I would su subscribe to the theory that something may be inherently wrong. I'm not accusing you of something. I'm saying we need to breathe, stretch, shake, let it go, as May said, and get smarter about how we are able to replicate success as opposed to trying to steal it. So please. I don't want to hear stuff like that because that's that's the worst I can think of. I don't even know why. I don't even know why we would support something like this. I, I truly don't. So I'm going to move on from that one, but I'm going to implore it again. Do not get brought to the brink of murder. Do not get brought to the brink of harm. Do not even go to self-harm if you're like that, that kid that killed himself because he got into... GameStop, stop. Don't do that. There's no reason, right? Just relax. I know it's a tough time. And remember, which I'll get to in a second, I told you that crypto now is a long play. It's going to take longer to see significant results. And frankly, some people will win the lottery because of random whatever or lack of fundamentals that just results in pump 
There's all sorts of things. And so the learning is the journey to learn that these things are a thing. So you know how to navigate and mitigate your risk by not YOLOing into a thing, understanding when it's okay to take profits, understanding how to weather storms like we were dealing with. It's a journey. No, there's no reason to get emotional over it. If you're not YOLOing into something, what are you worried about? If you are YOLOing into it, I'd say, what the heck is wrong with you? Don't do that. I know there's a temptation. You see the thing green, don't do it because it's just going to trigger you to do like what this idiot did. GameStop. Speaking of GameStop, they are investing in NFT, kind of hot and heavy. They're trying to build in partnership with a with an organization. It's actually a token called Immutable X. They're trying to build an NFT shop. And of course, if you know GameStop, and some of you international may not, but GameStop is kind of our go-to, unfortunately, for video games and hobbies. Now, let me give you a little bit of history, because if you're not in the United States, you don't know the story about why GameStop has been in trouble. Way back in the yesteryear, there used to be multiple different stores. We had Electronics Boutique, a store called Babbage's, uh, KB Toys and Games, Funko Land. We had all these different options for buying video games locally. This is prior to the rise of streaming games and digital games and everything else. Plus, if you just wanted to buy toys, right? If you just wanted to buy games and toys, we had uh, Game Crazy. That was another one. Hollywood Video had a game section. They were all over the place. GameStop, when it first came in, the first thing they did was they bought, I'm pretty sure Babbage's was first. Pretty sure Electronics Boutique was second. Funko Land was third. They literally bought up all these stores. I think KB is still a separate store. If it's not, it was bought by somebody else. But GameStop pretty much bought every competitor that they have. So GameStop doesn't really have a competitor except for, ironically, Best Buy and Amazon to the most degree. If you want to walk into a store and buy a game, you're either, for the most part, going to Best Buy, Best Buy or GameStop. I would say Walmart's a close second. I would say Target's kind of still a thing, believe it or not. I think Kmart's all gone. And so you have the mom and pops, but they're not anywhere near in the class. And so GameStop, because they muscled everybody out and you have no competition, what does business one-on-one tell us? If you have nobody competing against you, you have no reason to step up your game. And so GameStop has been stalling over time. People have blamed the rise of digital and streaming and all that. I disagree. I think what happens is anytime you take out your competition, you are going to start struggling. We saw that multiple times. We saw that with Woolworths. We saw that with WWF, now WWE. We're seeing that now. We're seeing that with uh, UFC. We saw that with Bellator a little bit ago. Time and time again, uh, Kmart, time and time again, when you try to muscle out your competitor or absorb your competitor, you're going to start struggling because there's nothing forcing you to step up your game. Competition is healthy. So now there was this pushback on GameStop and their tank started to, to literally, their stock started to tank to the nth degree. And they were at the verge of bankruptcy and they were closing stores and doing all the stuff, trying to mitigate it. All of a sudden we see what happened with the Wall Street bets and the stock and the shorting. And they found with more data and accessibility via the internet that they can literally dump money into this thing and make a lot of money when the shorts go short. So they do this and a bunch of people become millionaires. But meanwhile, GameStop gets a bunch of money off this. GameStop changes its leadership around. We think it's a bad move, but they change the leadership around. Well, now fast forward and GameStop's getting into other things to try to keep up. So they've, they've increased the whole digital, like you can buy digital to the store. You can buy digital gift cards and all this stuff to try to keep pace. 
this NFT is basically the evolution. So I want to give you the story of how we got to this point. Immutable X, I never heard of, but I know it's a token based. It's, it's basically its own, it's a layer two. And so they're trying to use that chain. So if you think of OpenSea for NFTs, they're using predominantly Ethereum and Polygon. There's others, but predominantly. This one, Immutable X, is its own. And basically they're trying to, GameStop, create their own variation of what OpenSea is doing. Now, the flip is that most in the mainstream, so we're talking people outside of the cryptocurrency bubble, think that NFTs are a fad. They think blockchain is a fad. I don't think blockchain is a fad because I recognize the source of the data. I've seen it. Blockchain's here to stay, and blockchain is going to be a powerful future state. I do agree that NFTs in the form that we have them is essentially a fad. I believe that. I own NFTs, but I've never spent a dollar for any of them. And I've, I've even minted an NFT just so I can understand the process and how simple it was and cool. It, it is a fad. I agree with it. However, a fad is not going to go away as long as people are willing to buy and sell it. That means that it's going to still be a thing, even though it's a fad. So anybody in the United States might remember the term pogs. That was a fad, right? And it eventually went away, but look how long it took. Teddy Ruxpin, same thing. Pokemon Go, it's still a thing, right? And I think that's a fad, but you don't see what we saw when it first launched, which is a bunch of people walking around like zombies trying to find mythical creatures out on the street. So it, it died down of what it initially intended to do. Uh, Super Mario Run, same thing. Fad, nobody cares about the game. It's kind of dead in the water. So it's correct in the sense that it's not something that's going to maintain the attentions of the general population for an extended period of time. I disagree that it's going to go away. I think it's always going to be a thing. As I talked about with the whole Dolce Gabbana nonsense, I do think that it's going to take a different form. I think that some people are going to shift their vision, shift their view, and go a different way, and they're going to do it something different. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that means, but I do think that there is an embracing in these businesses of NFTs. I hope that we're able to get some common sense around it because we're starting to see, you know, different real estate companies start to try to spin an NFT paired with a physical real estate. I mean, at that point, it's starting to get silly because, yes, I understand the logic of doing it, but now that's a, that's a, lipstick on a pig you're not really solving any problem what you're doing and now we're back over to mr Yi kanye west saying okay this is kind of getting over getting out of hand uh, anybody in the united states may or may not know who comcast is there used to be a term for them called com crap and it's because comcast historically has had terrible service i have uh not now but i've had in the past comcast for my internet service i don't have cable and Comcast for me has been pretty good. I've never had any major issues with them. I had one problem and they fixed it. But there was this funny story where a grandma, she was literally a grandma. She was like 70 something years old. She was having an issue. Something wasn't working. And she went into the store, the local Comcast store to try to get some assistance. And they weren't listening to her. They weren't, they weren't hearing what she was having to say. And she get and she leaves and she comes back with a hammer and she starts bashing the dude's computer keyboard and says, can you hear me now? And gets arrested. And the, oh, it was a whole big thing. They called her Hammer Granny. Well, turns out out in Ireland, there was a, another granny and she gets arrested now, but it's for a crypto scam. And just the high level details of this one, apparently what they found was that the this person had high network to begin with. So it was, they already had a lot of cash to play into it. And what they found was that 
money was being laundered. So they were taking the money and they were using this person's offshore bank, this granny's offshore bank accounts to essentially launder money. And there was a, you know, millions and millions of dollars of this. And it was a known scheme in the big picture. And the, uh, they just had a grandma involved with it. And of course, when you have people who are older, there's less scrutiny on those people. There's less, you know, skepticism of those people or less thought that they would be scammers. But the truth is, you know, I used to work in sales and when you're dealing with a sales or any kind of process that involves taking money from somebody, generally speaking, you're going to have a trust, an inherent trust. It's like the granny principle, this sweet little old lady, and they're the ones more likely to commit those crimes. Now, I'm not suggesting that every granny is a criminal by any means. I'm saying when you have these kinds of crimes in play, I think there's less of a desire to look at older folks as I think they should because they're, I think, more likely to be trusted. That's my point. So seeing that was a little bit disappointing, but it doesn't surprise me either. I want a quick bullet. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I don't really believe it, but I'm going to put a quick bullet. Sheba, Sheba Inu, apparently, allegedly, part of their, they had, done some things on social media where they're saying, hey, there's some stuff coming, bear with us, stuff coming, bear with us, stuff coming, bear with us. They still do that. They're still doing that. Allegedly, what's being reported is that they are now, the developers are working on actual automated burn mechanics. So uh, you heard me say, SHIB has never had an automated burn mechanic. It's always a transactional burn. And they recently did partnerships with like restaurants and everything else to do transactional burns and they're doing it all this place, but they never wanted to do anything other than just transactional burns. Then they said Shibarium is going to burn SHIB and all these where it's just, you know, transactional. It's always transactional, transactional, transactional. There's never been an automated burn mechanic. And as a result, you still have over 500 trillion tokens floating around and they're talking about, well, you've just burned a million. Of course, that's a fraction of nothing. So this announcement got a little bit of eyes raised to say, okay, are you actually going to start, you know, chipping this number away? And if you do automated burns, meaning what, you know, what I think people really want to see is that the developers just say, no, we're just going to burn, you know, 200 trillion, 300 trillion, 400 trillion. Cause unless if you're burning literally a trillion a day, it's still not going to have a dent. So we have to wait and see what they're going to do. That came from the SHIB burn account. If you want to look and see the non announcement that they gave, but we'll have to see what that's going to look at. Meanwhile, a lot of people are buying a bunch of SHIB. So there's somebody that knows something and believes something. So they are still buying SHIB. It's not like it's dead. Its volume is still through the roof. It's still actively being traded. So there is somebody that has confidence that they're going to do something and be made wealthy. And of course, then we have to look at what the downstream is. If they do get to the point where they're able to constrain the inventory and people are able to make millions of dollars, you know, they're going to sell. And when they sell, what's going to be the impact? I think they're in a good spot liquidity wise from what I can tell, but there are some really big whales in this dude and they never had anti-well mechanics, which means some of those big players, when they cash that stuff out, you're going to see some price tank. We don't know what that looks like yet. That's why the need for a constrained inventory, because most of the people who were going to buy SHIB have already bought it. We, I reported yesterday, there's people leaving SHIB. That means we're seeing the wrong move. We need to see a positive move in the right direction. And unless they put some significant, they see some significant price jumps, as in drop another zero momentum, I don't think it's going to get very much further than where it's gotten. I just talked about GameStop. And in that GameStop process, the Immutable X, I told us the token, 
they have this, and the reason I'm covering it's not specifically the news, but because it may give us some hints about other tokens that have had similar things happen. Turns out that GameStop had bought a bunch of the tokens or were granted a bunch of the tokens from the Immutable X, and then GameStop basically dumped them, basically sold them. This is very similar to what happened with ID Finance, AIDI Finance, where they essentially gave, because they were trying to copy SHIB and what it did with that idiot Vitalik, they basically gave half the, the ID liquidity tokens to Vitalik, and then he sold them because they thought he would burn them. He didn't. He sold them, cashed them out. So now GameStop does the same thing, and then Immutable X's token price drops. The, I'm not focused on the GameStop Immutable X, but I want you to think about, is it possible that some of these whales that are in other token projects could be these big businesses where they're selling them and they're dumping them to sustain business? Well, if you think about it, now we're starting to get very dangerously close to Ponzi scheme level because those businesses have stocks likely. And if they're doing the dump in order to generate their own liquidity on the stock side and raise the stock price at the expense of the coin price, all you're doing is robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's a very dangerous thing. That's going to create a bubble and we don't want the bubble. We already knew that there was going to be some bubble with the housing market that hasn't really popped yet. But this just this seeing that that happened got me thinking we might have another bubble where crypto is now being negatively impacted because the businesses are wailing in. You can't stop them because unfortunately you have no way of knowing that they did unless they disclose it. So I think any token now that's going to introduce not just anti-whale sale mechanics, but anti-whale buy mechanics, I think is going to be able to insulate themselves from what may be coming in the future by way of this kind of whale influence on a token's price. I don't know how the best answer, I don't know how to best do that, but I do think it's something for tokens to really think about is some way to minimize how much you can buy. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but the truth is nobody wants a whale who can literally trash a token. At the same time, we don't want to limit sales because volume helps the token. I don't know the clean answer. To me, it seems the logic is any one wallet can only hold a certain amount of tokens and any one wallet can only sell a certain amount of tokens and any sale in terms of the fiat equivalent, can only be a certain percentage of the liquidity remaining so that you can never tank it. Let's say if the liquidity is a million dollars, right? All you can do, the most you can do is 10% at a slice for that wallet. Okay, so you can only sell $100,000 worth of value and it won't it'll block you if you try to do any more or something similar to where you can't negatively impact the crypto side. And I just as a disclosure, and I'll get deeper into it, but one of the guests that I want to have on the show, I want to pick his brain about how that could think could go from his perspective because he's in the business of doing it, but also he has a singular insight about cryptocurrency and what it should and could be. So I bring that to attention just to think about if these businesses are potentially buying bags and stacking and they're really the whales. We know that there's other whales like hedge funds and celebs, but what if some of these businesses are doing it to sustain their, you know, their crap stock? I mean, that's a very concerning thing. As an investor myself, I'm very concerned. Very, very concerned. Last bit of news. I don't even know if I want to call it news, but last bit of news. Bitcoin. Bitcoin has been trending somewhat back upwards. We got back to the 40,000 limit. And part of this came because of shorts, which means people were shorting the stock. And when they liquidate those shorts, basically it returns things back to a positive state. So that's basically kind of squeezing them out. 
So this tells us two things. One, it tells us that some of the price drop might have been people shorting it, a.k.a. people basically lending or borrowing against these rather than people selling or dumping. Now, that's important for two reasons. One, if they were really just bleeding it, to bleed, 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 and then eventually were able to liquidate it, that means that the rebound should be pretty darn powerful. If we're, if we're still not done, let's say that we're still, we still have some shorts out there and we're still on the position where people have not paid those back, that means that Bitcoin's going to rebound strong as you've never seen before. And we might very well get above the 60 some odd K that we were at before. If you remember in one of my previous episodes, I specifically said I'm bullish about Q1 and seeing that there was a, what appeared to be people that were holding it. They were basically hoarding Bitcoin told me that there's got to be something somebody knows where they know that this thing's going to jump back up. This may be the precursor to it, or it could be that we see more shorting. I don't think so because it's going to hit a point where they have to start paying it back. So we'll have to watch that one, but Bitcoin is trending back upward. Now, the interesting thing to this is that the sentiment has shifted away from Bitcoin and towards Ethereum because people now think Ethereum is really the future state. So that because Ethereum, number one, there's less in there that has more profit potential. But number two, Bitcoin has always been at the front of the hedge funds and the big companies because it's where it's basically been paralleled to gold at this point, which nobody really wants. Whereas Ethereum still has the vision that's somewhat closer, not perfectly, but somewhat closer to what cryptocurrency should be. And I'll get to that in a second. And so now there's a sentiment shift. People are saying, no, we really need to be on board with Ethereum, dump your Bitcoin and get on Ethereum, support Ethereum as ETH 2.0 comes out. Cause the only thing that really hinders ETH adoption right now is the gas fees. So if they're able to solve that problem, there's sky's the limit for ETH. There's nothing stopping it. And anybody who's bought into it would know that because it's where most of the utility is. It's where the applications are. It's where you start seeing. And if they get to proof of stake, of course that negates the whole energy uses deep, deep, deep complaint. So my summary thought, if that was too much for you, Bitcoin is currently a target of the governments because of proof of work and the use, but it's also being shorted, meaning people are borrowing money out of it. They're basically squeezing the turnip to take value and it's affecting everybody else, not just the people bought in, but also all the different tokens that use it for liquidity pair. Whereas Ethereum seemed to build a little bit more stable. It's down over 50% from what it was. I think it's getting up to close to $3,000, which is just shy of where it was. So we're going back up strong on Ethereum as well. But Ethereum seemed to have been able to weather the storm a little bit better than Bitcoin did. And if ETH 2.0 can get us to proof of stake, it negates the primary complaint of the government's focusing on energy consumption. That's all my theory. This is just me ranting, putting it out there. I think we're in for something very interesting here in the future. And I'm excited to see what the what Q1's remainder is going to look like, especially as we start seeing more networks like the polygons of the world and avalanches of the world kind of rise to the occasion. Solana's kind of failed us multiple times, so I don't have trust there, but Polygon's still been there, even with that garbage sunflower game. So it's an interesting time for cryptocurrency. We still have the government doing threats, and of course the Biden administration talking about executive orders because they can't convince the freaking Congress to do things, so there's still kind of the iffy sentiment, but the positive trend tells us that at least we have a sense that things can get better at nothing else. Now, I was going to cover an underdog token. I honestly was going to cover an underdog token. And I decided not to do it 
And the reason I decided not to do it is because I felt I wanted to take some time to talk about toxicity again, because I haven't revisited it in a long time because I assumed it was implied. It's like, it's, it's a common sense thing. You're all intelligent people. You know how to recognize toxicity. There's, there's a problem in a lot of cryptocurrencies and I'm seeing a pattern and it, it inspired me to talk about my definition of trader in the crypto world. There, I've said it before, there are three types of traders. There's the FOMO traders. The FOMO traders are the one who will literally sell anytime they see red and they'll buy anytime they see green. That's a FOMO trader. I would argue the vast majority are FOMO traders. There are the gamblers. The gamblers purposely put money at things that they believe are going to make them a lot of money. They don't FOMO it. They might hold it. They'll sell for profit, but ultimately they're going after projects that they believe are going to make them the most money, regardless of stability, regardless of fundamentals. It's just, this is going to make me money. That's where I'm putting my money at. Cool. Then there's the fundamentalists. These are the ones who they actually do pay attention to charts and they do do limit orders and stop buys and stop sales. And they do see that there's fundamental things that they need to pay attention to because they know that most of these are long hauls. And they're less worried about profit and more so about long-term stability and a, por and a portfolio. But within this group of traders, and it's, I guarantee you it's coming from the FOMO side and the gambler side, not the fundamentalist side. I guarantee you. And I was inspired by this because of the Satama Wolfpack predominantly, but it's not just them. Because I see it's happening in the responses on the YouTube episodes that we post under CryptoTalkRadio.net for the shows that we do predominantly around basic cryptonomics. What we're seeing is that there's a pattern forming there. And it's always the same where people will respond and their default response. And I paraphrase because they all use different wording, but it means the same thing. Well, it'll make the money deep, deep, deep. It all circles back to that. To these people, it all circles back to whether you're making money or not. Let me clarify something here right now. Just because something is a scam doesn't mean you don't make money. Just because you make money doesn't make it not a scam. My point here is it's not about just making money. I understand for your investment strategy, you may only care about making money and that's cool and you are entitled to do it. You're also entitled to ignore my coverage if that's your only motivation because as I've said at the top of every show, I cover fundamentals. I cover function. I will criticize mistakes. I will call out errors. Why? Because I'm not concerned with whether I just make money or not. I'm concerned about whether it's long-term stable. I'm concerned about whether there's a risk of the government cracking down. I'm concerned about whether a new investor can understand what the heck's going on. I'm concerned with not having another squid game. So I do go into somewhat detail to analyze the token in depth to make sure it meets certain fundamental things. Here's the thing, though. If I see them make some blatant screw-ups, if I see them lie to me, if I see them refuse to give me information, if they refuse to even acknowledge my messaging and my requests and they refuse to come on the show, I'm going to call that out because guess what? A salty community, a triggered community, a toxic community is usually a symptom of a token that is destined to fail. And I've always said, if you can't keep your community clean, and it's easy to do that. Don't use shillers, number one. If you can't keep your community clean, I can't trust you as a project. It's not about whether I make money or not. I might make money, but here's the thing. 
if you're dealing with a project and this is happening now, and this project is somehow aligned with something proven to be a rug pull, that means you're at risk of being pulled by project A. They'll come back and say, no, we're not them. That's cool. But you're aligned with a project that was a rug pull. With Satama, I gave direct evidence that there is a wallet. I don't know whose wallet it is, but this wallet is a whale wallet that dumped a, a bunch of Satama and had bu- dumped a bunch of Suzuki, which was a rug pull. We knew at some point in the past, and I'm only using this as an example, by the way, we knew at some point in the past that Russ was involved with Suzuki, Max was involved with Suzuki, thus, and we know that Russ has given large amounts of money for Lily. Okay. I don't know that it's Russ's wallet. My point is when you see a pattern of negative behavior that this wallet over here, that is a whale that dumps a Tama during a time that it's red. Remember what I said, FOMO sells on red. You see a large whale dumps on red that has a pattern of having dumped a rug pull. That should be a red flag to anybody who's paying attention to the fundamentals. Instead, what happens? I get responses, not to that specific message, but to others that say that we're a fudder and we're this, that, and the other. Henoch just gave a video, a very impassioned video. And look, I don't know the guy, but he gets a video, a very impassioned video on his show. And man, the dude just went full Kanye for a minute. Look here, fam. We're losing 33K. That's what we're not about to do. I was, I was stunned, not because of his outburst, but because he was telling the truth and he's getting attacked. So now I knew it wasn't just me. I knew it wasn't the show. Believes has been attacked. Crypto Queen got attacked. He not got attacked. We're getting attacked. This tells me that this is, this, it's endemic. There's a cult forming over there where they refuse to accept the fundamentals. They refuse to accept facts. They refuse to accept that these are problems. So it got me thinking, where's that coming from? And it's really just that many of these people don't equate investment and crypto like they like we think they should because they're investments you have given money of a thing and you expect a return that return is not there yet in many of these cryptocurrencies and we analyze why that might be the case and we share that information and we feel that you should be just as upset when those returns aren't there it's not a thing of hold 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 because like we said it's okay to sell for profit but when you dump it right that's up to you. If you dump on red, why'd you do that? If you dumped on green, cool, you're gone. Don't buy back in when it's back red. If that's your strategy, we can't tell you not to, but we think it's stupid. But if you're that kind of person who just, like many of these in this community, no matter what the devs do wrong, no matter how they screw up, no matter how they lie to you, no matter how much they mislead you, no matter how much they withhold, you're still just, no, whatever, I believe, I believe, I believe I can fly kind of community. All you're doing is breeding toxicity because you're not listening to fundamentals. You're not listening to the truth and the truth is trying to help you. It's okay. If you say, I don't agree with the devs and the way that they're treating the community. However, I will maintain my stance in the project because I'm going to hold fast to the project. And I believe in that's okay. As long as you acknowledge the devs are almost cussed, they're treating you a certain way with no Vaseline. As long as you acknowledge that's true, it's cool. But when you're blind, deaf, dumb, and stupid to the facts that are presented to you, that's a problem. This then, the reason I told you that story and gave you that analogy around Satama, and I said it's not just them, but that pattern of just blind faith and blind following, 
it spun over into drip token because I had people literally arguing to me. You don't have to do the downstream. You're not going to make any money if you don't. So if your motivation is money, then why would you do that? You can't sell out. It's not renounced, which means somebody could trade it on the back end. You're missing the point. The fundamentals are not there. The numbers don't make sense. Thus, we don't support it. We have the right not to support it. You have the right to support it. We're just telling you we think it's a sketchy project. In this case, the DRIP team seems like a nice group of people, but we don't believe in the project because the fundamentals aren't there. That's the statement that we make. What we expect of the community in communicating how they feel is to say, we looked at what you said. We looked at the white paper. We looked at this. We looked at that. We're going to go ahead and take the risk because that's what it is. And that's what we called it and see how it goes. Great. We love that. Then liberal financial. Jeez, I, I can't even understand. I can't understand the mentality of the, of the people here. But with liberal financial, the predominant response we're getting is it's copy. It's Tano. Deep, deep, deep. Libero, anything that's a fork of something else is fundamentally a copy. That it's a copy doesn't make it bad and you can't prove it. What we said is that Libero Financial has fundamentals and functions that make it superior to what Titano was doing for these reasons, ABC, because it's been able to stop the bleed that normally happens with rebase tokens. I got somebody on Twitter literally come back and said, it's not a rebase token. Deep, deep, deep. Their white paper straight up tells you this is, a, and their medium, this is a rebase token, and we are using the rebase to keep your value up. That means that person didn't read the freaking white paper. I said it multiple times. Your white paper should be thorough and comprehensive, and fortunately, theirs is to tell you exactly what's going on. I had somebody else come back and say, it's copy of this one. Deep, deep, deep. I don't care that it's a copy as long as it's accurate, as long as it's true, and as long as it's accurate. Copy means nothing. Like these are not, these are semantic things. They don't mean anything because at the end of the day, the token should make a commitment. The project should commit to a thing. It should tell you what it's going to do. It should tell you how it's going to do it. And then it should perform. Like it's that simple. I hold the same standard to Satama. You make certain commitments and certain promises. You make certain statements and I will hold you to them. And when you don't perform, I'm going to call you out on it. I hold the same thing to every token we cover. As long as you're performing the way you said you were going to do, you'll get a thumbs up from me until you give me a reason not to. I don't care if it's a copy of something else. I don't care that they had a Vegas event and they had got drunk. I don't care that they're giving away Lambos. I don't care that they're showing screenshots. I care that you practice what you preach. Barry White, if you don't do it, I will call it out. And I don't care what you say. This is what we should all be doing. We should call out when they fail, because if this was a business and you were an investor of stock in a company, you would hold them accountable. You wouldn't just do the blind faith, but crypto has a toxicity to it. There's an innate toxicity to how this works. So I had somebody come back and I believe this was also on Libero, a liberal. And he said, yeah, they banned me from the community. They're just really toxic. That's the basic question. Sure. But as certain people in the crypto community can tell you, many people have been banned from Telegram because Telegram is a toxic environment. It breeds toxicity. That's why I don't like it. That's why I don't want it. So then you have certain tokens like ETH fan token just recently had a back and forth with them because they told people, if you have questions, go to Telegram. And I'm asking them a straight question. Why can you not just use Twitter spaces so people don't have to go to another tool? They don't answer the question. Why can't you use Discord? 
Dior Token, anytime that they're doing any sort of major something, you watch what Striking does. He will literally pull up Discord and the Telegram and Twitter Spaces and the YouTube, and he'll have it all up there. And they have mods in different places, and they're answering the questions, but they're not forcing you to all go to YouTube. It doesn't make any sense. That's what I want from a token is that you are taking the smoke wherever it is and you're being convenient to all your people. So when you're not answering my question, which is what ETH fan token is doing right now, I have, I have concerns because now you're going a course of action and you're not answering the question of why can't you do it like this? Ego starts to play in. When the ego starts to play in from the token developers, it breeds that same toxicity we don't want. And no matter what anybody says on the token side, I'm going to call it out when you are not making sense and what you said initially isn't consistent with this over here or you're not acting like a business. That's my summary here. If I see you're not acting like a business, if this was a stock trading thing and you're not behaving like a stock trading business, I'm going to call you out. You can feel free to ignore me all you care to. I'm going to still call you out for what it is because I want people to understand this is the analysis we all should be doing or it's never going to get any better. That's all I have. I feel a lot better. Check in tomorrow. And guess what? Next week, I got a little bit of a surprise for you. And hopefully you're going to enjoy that too.